0: From 99.9 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com.
1: We've got a potential NFL MVP sideline. The greatest golfer of all time. Going to be playing some golf in December. The Demon Deacons. Are they fixable? In the college football playoff rankings. What did we learn last night? Let's do this, Dennis Cox. What's trending? At Geico, you have a choice of ways you could save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online at geico.com or stop by the Geico office nearest you. Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, has a sore right elbow is basically the, the way to put it. His status day-to-day, Sean McDermott says. This is his right elbow. Cox, he's a righty. This is a problem for my Bills, for our Bills. He didn't even grimace there. I was hoping you would. Um, Don't take my word for it, though. Let's let's listen to Sean McDermott, Bills coach.
0: What I've got on Josh is uh, he's day-to-day, and the next question will be, is he going to play? And the answer is, we'll see. Um, so based on the medical report that, that we have, uh, Josh is day-to-day.
1: Next three games for the Bills. Now, the Bills have already had their open date. That was week seven. Coming off the 20-17 to 17 loss at the Jets, Allen did not look like himself. Turns out, well, he tweaked his elbow. They play the, the Vikings this week at home. Then they host the Browns. Then they go to the Lions on Thanksgiving. Dennis Cox, if you were in charge of the Buffalo Bills, of the next three games, how many of them would you use your superstar quarterback in? One. I'm going to say none.
0: I would say, yeah, set him two weeks and then play the third one.
1: Well, that's a short week. And Denver's. Ter- I mean, Detroit's terrible. True. I would rest him the rest of this month. This is why. We see this in hockey all the time. Case Keenum. Where was he? Well, he was with Minnesota Vikings. That's who they play this week. The next week... Case Keenum, where was he last year? Cleveland Browns. Ah, good figure. That's where they play. So you can have a mini Case Keenum revenge tour here against his two most recent teams. And then you play a bad Detroit team on Thanksgiving. Case Keenum can win that one too. Then I then I would bring Josh Allen back for Thursday, December first. They go to the Patriots. They would close Patriots, Jets, Dolphins. Right now the Bills are six and two. Their two losses are in the division. Crazy enough, they might—they are the best team in the NFL, but they might not win their own division. I can't imagine that's happened recently much. So we'll see. This is one of those injuries. Allen had it his his rookie year, missed four games. I think there was a little bit more significant. Um, I would like to see whatever is best for Josh Allen and the Bills because their season isn't about this week. Their season is about next week. It's about winning in the playoffs and getting back and getting to the Super Bowl. Next,
0: one of the four, all of the four, or half of the four.
1: Tiger Tiger Woods announced today that he will be playing in the Hero World Challenge on December first through fourth. Woods hasn't played since missing the cut at the uh, British Open in St Andrews in the middle of July. The Hero Challenge is a twenty-man field, and it benefits Woods's foundation. Woods um, is still recovering from obvious leg injuries from his car wreck outside of los angeles in february of 2021 his right leg was nearly amputated you know we saw him in the masters last year he looked great then we didn't see him again until the open mm-hmm. and he oh well he played in the us open but he, in, the, in the open he struggled and it was it was clear that uh he wasn't able to compete at a level that maybe we want tiger woods to compete at but this Event in the Bahamas, which benefits his foundation, feels right up his alley here in a 20-man field. Also, speaking of right up his alley, he'll be playing in the match. That's going to be in Tampa on December 10th. That's a 12-hole match, a pay-per-view event, with Rory McIlroy as his teammate playing against Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. That'll be a night golf event that's also going to have the basically the top golf you know different targets and okay so that's going to be interesting and then of course we saw this last year woods and his son charlie they played in the PNC championship which is also in orlando that's december 17th and 18th in the in the uh, PNC championship he can ride a cart in that event okay. so look we don't get as much tiger woods as we want this is about as much as we're going to get in a single month. They're different events. Like I said, 12-hole exhibition. You know, the one with his son, he's allowed to use the cart. And then the um, his own event, the Hero World Challenge. It'll be set up for him. I think we want to see Tiger Woods, but we, we also need to realize that, oh, no, legitimately, he almost lost his leg. Mm-hmm. So it was amazing what we saw at the Masters last year, but it's obviously not something that he can do regularly on the PGA Tour. Next. All right. NC State beat Wake Forest on Saturday. Huge win. Yeah. For the Wolfpack. Quite frankly, it was stunning to me. Great atmosphere. Unbelievable atmosphere. And not because NC State played as good as they can play. Not because NC State even won the game. But the way that they won the game. Yeah. Against a team that has been a stealer of joy from Wolfpack football since (laughs) 2017. They have been a thief. So to have that cathartic moment on Saturday night in Carter-Finley Stadium was amazing for NC State. But, Joe, what about Wake Forest? Quite frankly, I was surprised. You know my opinion of Dave Clawson. I think he's the best coach in the ACC. I did not think Wake Forest was prepared to play that football game. I also was surprised... That Wake Forest with six false start penalties, that's not a veteran team. I was also surprised that Wake Forest, after losing 48 21 at Louisville in a game where Sam Hartman was sacked eight times, turned the ball over, the team turned the ball over eight times. I was surprised they didn't have a cleaner game against NC State. That indicates to me that there's something wrong with Wake Forest. We can grade Wake Forest on a curve, and we love to do this. We do this with Duke. We do this with Wake Forest. Wasn't that cute? Little old Wake Forest, little old Duke, finally have success in football. But if I'm going to be fair, as I am critical of NC State often, I need to be the same. I need to apply the same criteria to Wake Forest. That wasn't it. Not with that team, not with that quarterback. And I'm not sure Wake's going to be able to re- to bounce back because if you don't bounce back from the Louisville ass kicking against the team you hate the most, yeah. I got news for you. I don't see it coming home because now they go to now they're going to host Carolina. The game's at night. I mean, they should be embarrassed by the way they played the last two weeks. They should be. UNC's defense is not great, but it might be good enough to watch the tape. From the Louisville and State games, and go. Well, we can do that. We can send an extra guy. Mm-hmm. We can blitz. We can make it uncomfortable for you. State blitzed all night. Every, like every down. Yeah. Uh, maybe the 99-yard drive. They, they, they played a little bit off, but they were so aggressive. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not me taking anything away from what State did on Saturday night. This is me having a higher expectation for Wake Forest. Yeah. And Sam Hartman in particular. Well, and, Wake Dave has, Claw, and Dave Clawson, too. Wake
0: has earned that right Absolutely. to have those expectations the way they've played the last several years.
1: Wake Forest is a team that plays in such a way they don't beat themselves. No. Do you know what three turnovers and six false start penalties is? That's beating yourself. Yeah. Not to mention the penalties on the pass interference calls. That they know, that's how they make their money. I mean, the shoe was completely on the other foot saturday night i i hope they recover they're six and three on the season they're out of the rankings which i think is harsh because look at their losses clemson in overtime destroyed by louisville um and they were dominated by state but it's a nine-point loss they've they've beaten liberty who is ranked they've beaten florida state who's ranked so i don't it doesn't seem to be any consistency in, in trying to give teams credit for what they've done, we want to bang on everybody for what they haven't done, rankings-wise. But we don't want to reward teams for what they have done. Um, Wake Forest closes with Carolina, Syracuse, and Duke. Maybe they could still claim a state championship with wins over Carolina and Duke, and maybe a state loss to Carolina. We'll, we'll we'll figure out some math on the Mac Brown Cup on that. But I, I'm really genuinely surprised at what I, at what I saw Saturday night from Wake Forest. Next. Number two. Thursday Night Football. Who's excited? We get the Panthers and the Falcons. Bank of America Stadium. Yay. Dennis Cox, can you feel the excitement? Can you smell the ratings?
0: No. No, I cannot, actually. Okay. That's fair. No, I cannot. I'll actually be... Hopefully at the Canes game tomorrow night. Okay. Watching winning teams play.
1: We just saw this game two weeks ago, and to their credit, it was a whale of a game. It was. Panthers lost 37-34 in overtime down in Atlanta. P.J. Walker, 317 yards passing. D.J. Moore, a season-high 152 yards receiving. Where were they, you ask, in the Cincinnati game, Cox? Walker, last week, after the 300-yard game, three for 10 for nine yards with two picks. Huh? Ow. DJ Moore, two catches, 24 yards, because Baker Mayfield came in and led a couple of uh, scrapple drives there in the second half. I don't know what the Panthers are doing. They're spotting dimes. They're eating onions. They don't know if they're tanking. They don't know if they're not tanking. They want to beat the Buccaneers. They had the Falcons beat. Then they go play a Cincinnati team without its best player and just get absolutely mopped from pillar to post. I I don't get it. You suspect this is a division game? We'll see a little bit of that Panther magic again Thursday night, Bank of America? No. No?
0: No, I don't. Okay. No, that's the thing. I'm sitting there thinking, like, can we? No, I don't think so. No, they, I don't know. They're a dumpster fire.
1: You know, if they're going to be a dumpster fire, be a dumpster fire. No half measures here. Yeah. Stop with the random moments of lightning and just tank this thing out. Get the best pick, best pick you possibly can. Get the best quarterback in the next draft you possibly can. And let's, let's get a reboot under the next coach. Next. The number one story of the day. We're number one. We're number one. There are... No written rules for the college football playoff rankings. There's no set criteria, except this one thing. I'll explain to you next. This is the OG. I'm Joe Giulio. Joe is out today. Congrats to his brother getting married this weekend down in Florida. Joe will be back on Monday. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. It's a wacky Wednesday so wacky that the college football playoff rankings came out last night i wasn't stunned per se i was surprised by how tennessee was treated but then i realized you do you know when the playoff was created the 14 playoff was created after the 2013 season Mm -hmm. we call them the power five conferences Five, the last time I checked, is one greater than four.
0: Yeah, math checks out. So
1: those five conference leaders sat down and agreed that at minimum, one of them would be left out every year from a playoff. Okay? If there's five major conferences, well, one of them's going to get left out. At least. We've seen years where two SEC teams make it. We've seen years where Notre Dame makes it. So, There have been years where two Power Five conferences are not represented in the college football playoff. Fine. That's what the money's for. Yeah, That's what they agreed to. That's how big the sum is of money. That they agreed every year, there's five people in this room, the music's going to play, there's four chairs, and at least one of us is not going to get a chair. Mm -hmm. Those are the rules. That's what the money's for. They also agreed that the system would be we're going to put 12 people in a room. They're going to watch football together. They're going to talk about football together. Try to to realize how groundbreaking that was. We've had the AP poll since 1936. But when I fill out my AP ballot, I don't talk to anybody. No. I don't converse with them. I don't say, hey, Cox, who do you got, number one? Who do you got, number two? So – The idea of the selection committee is groundbreaking in college football. They don't have any guidelines, though. It's not like the NCAA tournament men's and women's basketball committees. RPI, the old days, your your last 10 games, your strength to schedule. Quad one wins. Quad two wins. I'm all for those. Right? We don't have that criteria in college football. It's fluid, as they like to say. Here is the one Peace in concrete. And you can look at this week's rankings and see Georgia, number one, unbeaten. The Ohio State, number two, unbeaten. The Michigan Wolverines, the victors, number three, unbeaten. TCU, suddenly, number four, up three spots from last week. Well, look at that. They're unbeaten. These are the four remaining unbeaten teams from Power 5 conferences. Since the playoffs started in 2014, there have been 12 Power 5 schools that have finished Selection Sunday, got to Selection Sunday without a loss. All 12 of those schools made the college football playoff. I would say to you, I would challenge you, if I were sitting in that committee room with Boo Corrigan, I would challenge you to explain to me how Michigan is a better football team than Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Because I would then direct you to Michigan's schedule. And you would say, in my best obvious voice, But Joe! But Joe! Michigan hasn't lost any games. Here's Michigan's non-conference schedule. Stop me when we get to a challenge. Okay. Colorado State Hawaii- Yukon mm-hmm. okay those are the three teams they played Colorado State's two and seven Hawaii is two and eight props to Jim Mora at Yukon they're five and five this season okay but All they right. have been the worst program in college football over the last five years
0: oh yeah there's that
1: okay Michigan should be punished. For the schedule that they've played. And inside the Big Ten this year, it's not Michigan's fault that the rest of the conference that's not named the Ohio State are not good. Penn State is okay. But Penn State's only okay because they beat all of the other crap Big Ten teams. In fairness to James Franklin, they did work Auburn, a team that quit on their coach. I will give them that. Yeah. But for the most part, Cool. You beat Penn State. So you want to be in the playoff because you beat Penn State. Huh? You want to be in the playoff because you beat Colorado State. You want to be in the playoff because you beat Hawaii, who almost folded their program this off year offseason. You want to be in the playoff because you beat UConn? Who should have folded their program long ago. Listen, Tennessee has a win over Alabama. Tennessee has a win over LSU. These are real wins. They're not fake. What do you suppose Michigan's record would be against Tennessee's rec- against Tennessee's schedule? That's the whole point of strength of record. Mm-hmm. The one metric that allegedly, and we've seen you mostly apply. I don't get it. I don't get it. You're willing to jump LSU with two losses over other one-loss teams including Clemson, right? LSU's number 7 this week. They're 7 and 2. They just beat Alabama. They beat them on a two-point play in overtime, right? Yeah. Okay. Um Who Who, who Tennessee beat LSU? Who was the other team to beat LSU? I'm I'm misremembering right now.
0: Uh oh, it's an ACC schools, Florida State. Oh, that's right.
1: Okay, the ACC. So let me try to get this straight. When you have two losses, uh huh, you can jump a one-loss team. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But when you're a one-loss team, you can't jump a no-loss team. I get it. It's ho- This stuff is hard. You're you are a lot of times comparing apples. To aspartame, okay? Mm -hmm.
0: Can't compare apples and oranges, though. They're both fruit.
1: Exactly. So we're going to use aspartame, all right? There's no formula for this. But I would think, after all of these years, you would want to reward teams for A, playing good schedules, and B, for their wins. Right now, you're rewarding Michigan for being greedy. Because Michigan was supposed to play UCLA this year in a non-conference game. It'll be a conference game soon enough, but they were supposed to play number 12 UCLA this year. And I'm having a completely different conversation with you right now. But in 2019, do you know why Michigan canceled the series with UCLA? Because the school... That is from the richest conference in college football has to play seven home games every year. And since this wouldn't have been a home game and they would have had to wait till next year to get the home bank game back, they couldn't play UCLA. So in 2019, they canceled the game and they picked up Hawaii. Oh. And they picked up next year. ECU, arc. I mean, ECU's a, a gigantic upgrade over Hawaii. I long for the day, and it'll be here soon, when we expand the playoff field. Because the argument against it right now is, oh, you know, it will devalue the regular season. Oh, no. It will add value to conference races. It will add value. Let me repeat, add value. And you'd also be able to get in. Let's just say, I don't know your Notre Dame and you just happen to join a conference. You could still get in with that Marshall loss. You could still get in with that Stanford loss. Of course, you'd have to be in the ACC to do that, though. But if you expand the playoff, you expand the eyeballs, you expand the interest, and this just so happens to be a year
0: For the ones who get it done.
1: It's the OG. I'm Joe Giglio. I can't say what I want to say right now. Great song choice, though. Oh, thank you. Good fill-in-the-blank on your own FCC-friendly time. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's different ways. STP, man. That hits a spot, Cox. I mean, that hits a spot. You're welcome. Class of 93 representing right there. <laughs> you, know what, you know what came out in 1993? Today? Today, actually, yeah. Yeah, today, 1993. It's for the children, I believe.
0: It is. Wu-Chang. Enter the Wu-Tang. 36 chambers. Wu-Tang Clan. Came it out. Makes me,
1: anything, 93. Anything, nothing will top uh, Paul Cardi telling me that Milt Wagner, who helped Louisville to a national championship, by the way, Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with uh, the great Camden teams of New Jersey lore. Oh, yes, of um, course. Who hasn't heard of them? Yeah. Billy Thompson, Milt Wagner. Uh, his grandson is the number one recruit in the class of 23, DJ oh, wow. Wagner. Yes. Uh, most people are familiar with Dwan Wagner, played for John Calipari at Memphis. But now, Dwan, his kid, DJ, number one player in the class. We will catch up with Paul Biancardi from ESPN. You can hear that interview after 6 o'clock. But before we get there, Russell Wilson, I mean, he's catching so many strays this year mm-hmm. that it's to the point where it's slightly uncomfortable. You know, Russ has an authenticity problem, and he has—he lacks self-awareness. But no. the thing about Russ is he believes what he's saying. You know, that the superhero stuff, his origin, all that other stuff, he has legitimately from day one convinced himself of the life that he was going to have and he did it and for whatever reason that does rub some people the wrong way now when he's giving graduation speeches and making things up in wisconsin i felt compelled to come up with never failed the russell wilson podcast story catch that wherever you get your podcasts you really should check it out but now it's become sport to the point that let's start with pete carroll this is Pete Carroll on a, a radio show up in Seattle talking about new quarterback Geno Smith and why the offense has been a little bit more efficient this year. If you notice Geno's going off the off the wristband, you know, and that's that's a big help. It's 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 smoothed things out, sped things up, um, cleaned things up and, and that's that's part of it too. And and you know, we we never did that before. Um, there was resistance to that, so we didn't do that before. But this, all of those elements together, and then let's go back to the trust word again. When when you know Shane says something to Geno, he's not doubting it. He's just going with it. And so there's a real immediate flow, and that accelerates all the process. All right, so that's the Seattle coach. He doesn't say Russell Wilson's name, but obviously the quarterback before Geno Smith was Russell Wilson. And he's basically saying – he wouldn't wear the wristband and then he wouldn't listen to his position coach. All right. Seems fairly straightforward enough. Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos quarterback now, asked about the wristband gate before practice today. About
0: putting a wristband, putting a play calls on the wristband.
1: Uh, I don't know exactly what he said, but I think, you know, won a lot of games there without one on the wrist. I didn't know uh, winning or losing mattered if you wore a wristband or not. So, there you go. Russell Wilson. In this particular instance, might have a point. Might. You know, all this stuff with Russ started two years ago when Aaron Rodgers was getting all the attention for basically being a diva and wanting more control over the Packers roster situation, the draft picks, right? They drafted Jordan Love, they didn't tell him. Um, Aaron, you're not the GM. They don't need to tell you who they're drafting. Those are two separate things. Yeah. But you'll remember... Aaron Ro- Russell Wilson was the NFL man of the year. He was at the Super Bowl. It was the it was the pandemic Super Bowl, but he was sitting next to Roger Goodell, and nobody was talking about Russell Wilson being the NFL man of the year, which is the Walter Payton Award. It's one of the highest honors you can have in the sure. NFL. All people wanted to talk about was, oh, Aaron Rodgers. He wants out. He wants more control. And Russell took it upon himself that year to make it sound like, I want more control. I want to be thought of because, remember, it was Tom Brady who ended up in Tampa and had a lot of say in how that roster was shaped for his first year in Tampa. They they go on and win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers looked at that and said, I should have more of a say. And then it trickles down to Russell Wilson who says, if Tom Brady has a say, if Aaron Rodgers has a say, I should have a say. I'm not telling you that the Seahawks haven't had their own forms of of draft malpractice i remember the year they took a punter and i'm sitting here going can you get the guy an offensive lineman because mm-hmm. you know for a long time their best offensive lineman was a converted defensive tackle from nc state J.R. Yeah, sweezy that's right okay you have a franchise quarterback help him out a little bit i understood those complaints from russell wilson this stuff now the wristband you didn't listen to the coach. I don't know. At some point, I would think some of the public sentiment would swing back to Russ. But you know how that happens. He's got to win. Mm-hmm. And his struggles with the Broncos are the biggest problem here. That That's why the world has turned on him in the way that it has. Public sentiment anyway. Maybe not the whole world. I'm sure there's some Sierra fans there who have not turned on Russ. But that's how it works. Winners write history. Winners make the rules. Quite frankly, that's what Russell Wilson tried to do when he left NC State. And that's why I thought it was important to create the the podcast project. Never failed. Speaking of podcasts, speaking of Russell Wilson, Mike Glennon joins me every week on Pack Therapy. You can listen to a new episode Friday, Apple, Spotify, the Googles, wherever you get your podcasts. Big shouts to our Pack Therapy listeners. We had so many downloads the previous week that Anita, who is in charge of download, who is the podcast guru at Capital Broadcasting, did one of the sweetest things anyone's ever done for me today. Oh, yeah? She provided me with a certificate oh, of really? achievement. Look at you. Yes. So I am very appreciative to Anita and recognizing the Achievement with Pack Therapy. If you've missed out, go check it out. The Googles, Spotify, you name it. Apple, same with the best of the OG, same with Culture State. You guys are missing out. Or the YouTubes. Yes. The YouTubes, as Joe Ovius likes to promote. Go subscribe. I just want you to gently press the button. Chris I'm, I- I'm not a cool kid, so you you just gently Press that button.
0: Chris and I said elbow drop the subscribe button.
1: Okay. Well, you're huge wrestling fans. Well, exactly. So that makes a lot of sense. New
0: episode out today, by the way.
1: Perfect. Check out the Culture State podcast. That's always on the YouTube. It is. Our YouTube channel, 99.9. Go find it. Go subscribe.
0: There's over a year and a half's worth of Culture State episodes on there.
1: Perfect. Perfect.